Good morning. My name is Dave Selvig, and this morning our scripture reading is from the book of Romans. You can follow along in your Bibles or use the screens. I'll be reading Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 13, from the New American Standard Bible. Now, we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to his edification. For even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. For I say that Christ has become a servant to the circumcision on behalf of the truth of God to confirm the promises given to the fathers and for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore, I will give praise to you among the Gentiles, and I will sing to your name. Again, he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. Again, Isaiah says, There shall come the root of Jesse, and he who arises to rule over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. My name is Bud Pomberg. And I happen to have the joy and privilege of being what's called Pastor Emeritus of the Evergreen Covenant Church. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Open our hearts, O Lord, to the work of your Holy Spirit rather than to my words. Give us hope in a world that sees hope as a scarce commodity. Teach us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I don't know if you're like me, but at the beginning of each year, I have stranger thoughts than I normally have. For instance, I ran across an old driver's license last week. And it listed my name, my birth date, and it said, 
4204 93rd Avenue Southeast was my permanent address. Permanent? I've moved four times since then. And have you ever wondered why eggplant doesn't have eggs in it? Or when you buy a cured ham, they don't tell you what it was cured of? And is it really necessary to name the building we go to in order to catch a plane a terminal? (laughs) It's also strange the way English causes problems for people. Why do we say the light is out when we can't see it? But when we can see the stars, we say the light is out. I don't understand. But I have more important thoughts once in a while that occupy my mind and fill my waking moments at night. I am concerned by, about the growing gap between the rich and the poor. I am concerned about the terrible growth of homelessness in our affluent culture and society. I'm concerned about the insanity of substance abuse and the terror of terrorism and the rise of racism, the frightening reality of gangs and drive-by shootings and hooliganism and the shallow me-first and me-only kind of culture that we are becoming part of and the dark pessimism and despair of people and the spiritual confusion and the ungodliness of some of God's people. I could go on and on until we're tempted to just leave and forget the service and forget the Seahawks and just go into bed and cover our heads. When you look at the current scene and read the newspapers, you don't get any help at all. So much that happens today seems irrational. Try to think reasonably about the Middle East. Try to think reasonably about the election that's going on endlessly. Try to think reasonably about a young man who, because his mother tried to encourage him to leave ISIS, publicly executed his own mother. Try to think rationally about San Bernardino and Colorado Springs and Charleston Church and try to think reasonably about a co-worker in Oklahoma who beheaded a co-worker, a fellow co-worker, and the unspeakable crimes of mass murders and pollution of our planet for profits and the decline in community moral standards and billions of dollars stolen by respected one-time and trusted CEOs and And the devaluation of life. Is it any wonder that Havelock Ellis wrote in his book, The Dance of Life, the place where optimism most flourishes is in the lunatic asylum. The fact remains that our society seems to be baffled by the conflicts of our age. The evils we see around us are, are frightening. The brutality of powerful and evil men and the depth of human pain and, and the terror in the eyes of children abused and tears in the eyes of the aged. 
living at Covenant Shores, our closed-circuit television periodically, rather frequently, comes up with a warning about scams that are being played out against older people. And when I get old, I'll pay attention to them more than I have been. (laughs) There's a kind of either the ontological despair or party-hardy and shop-till-you-drop kind of attitude. There seems to be a dichotomy in people's reaction to the horrors and the realities of our age. What's the Christian response to all of this nonsense that's going on? All this, this evil that we see. Now, we need to insist that any response we have as a church and as individuals who name the name of Christ must be both rational and honest. In our recent histories, we have seen too much called Christian response that has been clearly neither rational nor honest. And all the news reporters love to get on that. So let's begin with an honest admission that we do not have a dogmatic answer to the sufferings in Sudan, the beheadings in Oklahoma and in the Middle East. We don't have dogmatic answers to the reason for earth slides that bury entire villages in Guatemala and earthquakes and crashes of airplanes and and the problem of suffering and evil. People love to challenge me and say, but how can God allow that kind of stuff to happen? The fact of the matter is, it's not God who has caused this. The world he created was perfect. And the world we have created has our fingerprints all over it. We can't point an accusing finger at God, and we cannot become pious Pollyannas who see, oh, it's wonderful, God is in everything. And we cannot become Christianized Cassandras who see only evil around us. Here's what God's Word reports that God wants for us. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's my New Year's prayer for all of us. It's a great summary of life together that we are intended to share together, and it describes how we can be set free from the temptation to despair or the temptation to just run away. And to be set free from that temptation in order for us to do something about the mess our world's in. Maybe we can't take on some intercontinental, international procedure. But we can touch the lives of those next to us. Now what's the source? Notice it says in verse 13, May the God of hope. Hope is not something... In the future, it's sort of an idle dream or wish. We, we use that term hope as a future word only. But the Bible speaks of hope as an absolute reality. Something that is sure and strong and anchored. 
Listen to what Hebrews chapter 6 says. So when God wanted to prove for certain that his promise to his people couldn't be broken, he made a vow, and God can't tell lies. So his promises and vows are two things that can never change. We have run to God for safety, and now his promises would greatly encourage us to take hold of the hope that is right in front of us. This hope is like a firm and steady anchor for our souls. Our God is a God of hope. And so the future is just as bright as the promises of God, and the promises of God are as trustworthy as God himself. Our hope for 2016 and every year that God gives us is based on the promises of God, and he has bound himself by an oath, and he will keep his word. The source of our lives together, friends, is not the fluctuating values and economies. My goodness, have you looked at the stock market the last week? It's just gone south. And I have been reading some articles that say the stock market, the Dow Jones average, is headed for 6,000. <laughs> Hope. The source of our lives is not the fluctuating values of the economy, nor the outcome of the election, whatever your choice and desire may be. Our hope is in a God of hope. And he wants us to have a quality of life that is characterized by joy and peace. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Now look, you know as well as I do that there's a big difference between joy and happiness. Sometimes I'm just miserable, but that doesn't take away the joy that I have in Christ. Abandon any idea that life in Christ is somehow grim and sad. I used to. I used to feel so sorry for some of the old folks in the church I grew up in. They seemed to be so grim. They didn't laugh much. Oh, there were some that laughed continually, and it was a joy to be around them. But the difference between joy and happiness is real. The dictionary defines joy as intense gladness, independent of external circumstances. Because the source of that joy and peace, according to our scripture, is the God of hope. And joy, as you know, is one of the primary fruits of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit has his way with us, Galatians 5 tells us, he will bear these fruits, love, peace, joy. This joy comes as intense gladness from the certainty that Paul writes about in Romans 8. Trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger of sword, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus the Lord. Wow. What good news. And notice it says... The God of hope fill you 
give up this crazy idea that God is a careful, giving God. He is a God of abundance, immeasurable in his love for us creation. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And remember the disciples, when Jesus has got this mob around him that are hungry, they come to Jesus and say, man, we don't have enough money to give anybody just a little bit. And when Jesus got involved, there were 12 baskets left over. God is a God of abundance. His measure is full to overflowing, but it's full to overflowing with hope so that you may overflow with hope. Joy and peace. Now, peace is the inevitable result of believing, of really believing operationally that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And peace, peace doesn't mean absence of conflict. It means serenity and confident rest in the middle of sometimes conflict. Confident knowledge that while I may not understand everything that's happening to me, everything that wounds my heart or baffles my mind or shatters my dreams or keeps me awake at night, even in the midst of all of that, I am still in his loving hands and he will never forsake me. Man, that's hard to believe. Because we live amongst so many people who are such pessimists. Now, I don't look at the world and say, oh, goody, goody, isn't this great? I look at the world and say, well, we got our problems, but God is still on the throne, and he is still in my life. A few weeks ago, I was in the hospital out in Issaquah, and standing next to my bed on one side was a nurse, and on the other side was a cardiologist giving me probably my fifth EKG for the last two hours. And as he's messing around with the machine, he says to me, Now, Mr. Palmberg, I notice that we don't have any of the paperwork concerning your... Well, now, I don't want you to be upset or nervous or anything. I'm not suggesting anything, but we don't have any of your end-of-life wishes. <laughs> he said, Now... If something were to happen, I'm not suggesting it will, but if something were to happen, do you want us to do CPR? Do you want us to use the paddles? Or or what do you want? And I said, well, if the paddles are handy, zap me a couple of times, but don't be late for lunch. And the nurse said, what did you say? And I said, I win either way. It's not a big deal. Just don't be late for lunch. Keep things in perspective. And both the cardiologist and the nurse walked out of the room shaking their heads. And I had to lay there in bed and laugh. I thought it was really kind of funny. (laughs) Now, how can you have peace when you're wired up like they're going to electrocute you? How can you have peace when, well, we need to take another EKG? How, How do you have peace? Well... It's the God of peace. The God of hope. Who fills you with joy and peace. But Oh, notice. As you trust in him. 
This overflowing joy and peace does not come from trusting in our professions or our possessions. It doesn't come from self-actualization. It does not come from trusting in our pastor or trusting in our church. It comes from as you trust in him. The true fact is we cannot love with a divine love until the Holy Spirit fully fills us and bears his fruit. You noticed in the scripture that David read, it talked about how we are to live at peace with one another, encouraging one another, accepting one another. Do you know that I have to accept all of you? Do you know that you have to accept me? (laughs) The key is accept one another as Christ has accepted you. The God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that When God seems a long way away from us and our hearts and minds seem to be in the dark or when our employer or our neighbor or our family or our church seems to be self-righteous or judgmental or indifferent or even hostile, then don't try to pump up loving them and caring for them. Because if you try to pump it up in your own strength, it feels counterfeit. It looks counterfeit, too. It even smells counterfeit. Because it is counterfeit. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, each of us have our own peculiar cares and troubles as well as joys and difficulties and delights. And 2016 is going to bring us more of the same, I'm sure. But the more intimate we become with our God of hope, the closer we allow him to empower us with his Holy Spirit, the lighter become the burdens which are ours, because our hearts are made lighter with hope and knowledge that we are not bearing them alone. Cast all your anxiety on him. Because he cares for you, Peter writes. And he's given his word of pledge. Hebrews 13 says, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Whatever you're facing, Do you trust his word? Is he pulling your leg? Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Do you trust it? Oh, and Isaiah 43. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, not if, when you pass through the waters, they will not sweep over you. 
When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. You are precious and honored in my sight because I love you. Now, do you trust that word? No matter what you're facing or will face in this year, If we do, the result will increasingly be that the God of hope will fill us with all joy and peace as we trust in him so that we may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now each of us have our own peculiar cares and troubles, as I said. But because of the word of God and the presence of the God of hope in our lives, and oh, I pray that he is in your life. Because of that, may our new year be marked by the dance of joy and by the serenity of peace and by the overflow of hope and the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can do something about this crazy world we live in. One by one by one. That's the good news for the day, folks. In the space of all of the bad news. I haven't read today's paper. And I'm glad I haven't yet. Because I know it's got a lot of bad news in it. It always does. Bad news makes the news. Good news doesn't make it that often. But here's the good news. And here is my New Year's prayer for each one of us. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So that your life may overflow with hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is necessary for us who have had the joy of experiencing God's grace and been redeemed to act like it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, in a world where so many are living lives that are shallow, in order to avoid the reality of the depth of their pain. And in a world where many people are walking around wringing their hands, worried about the election, worried about the economy, worried about ISIS, worried about everything, thank you that you are a God of hope who wants to fill us with joy and peace so that Our lives overflow with hope. And we can live as hopeful people, contagious with your presence. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.